There is so much creativity and so much innovation that's been unleashed. Just then before this call, I was on our own investment committee and we we're just talking about deals and the variety of them and the creativity that's been put forth on it. The peripheries, you know, that's been, you know, periphery industries, if you will, like, you know, even stuff like, you know, KYC and AML, other supporting services that are actually propping up as a result of this. It's just amazing, right? Everything is being composed and created right now. You're listening to Crypto Savvy, the show that demystifies digital assets and uncovers all things cryptocurrency. Brought to you by the Hashkey Group, a leader in financial technology and digital asset management. Crypto Savvy, the essentials. Anamoka Brands is a blockchain and NFT and gaming and metaverse company that has built a successful portfolio through investments of over 150 technology companies. Today's guest is Evan Alyang. He is the group president at Anamoka Brands and has been really the, the driver behind some of their recent fundraising efforts as well as some of their investment. Listen as we peel back and learn more about the contribution to society that Anamoka Brands will make and is already making. Hear more about Play to Earn and the Metaverse, and then learn a little bit about if you're wanting to get started or working with Anamoka Brands, the best way to approach that in conversation with Evan Aoyang. Joining us today, Evan Aoyang, Group President, Anamoka Brands. And Evan, thank you very much for joining us here on Crypto Savvy. Thank you very much, Walter. And uh, Evan, you have a, you're not a fintech professional prior to Anamoka. Do you want to talk a bit about your background and then what brought you to Anamoka? Yeah, no, exactly. Thanks for obviously doing your research on me. I'm the uh, good boy from Hong Kong, uh, meaning, you know, so born and raised in Hong Kong. I did the traditional track, went to what you call good schools, went in finance, went to management consulting, uh, McKinsey, and then uh, uh, went out there running a county motor bus company out here in Hong Kong uh, as my first executive job, then went to international firm GLG. GLG still was a bit of a technology company because it's a kind of a, it's got a technology backbone to it, at least. It, it, it does. It does. So that's, that's, the, that's the closest attack I've gotten, right? Because you have to have some technology to make sure that you're powering the knowledge that can find experts that can be matched globally. Right. So that was my first global role. Uh, but uh, I stay in my jobs for, for rather longer periods. So so uh, as an executive, I think that's needed for commitment for you to make impact. Um, uh, uh, but entering this space is uh, super exciting for me. Right. Because, you know, in in, in sort of my um, sort of good Asian boy kind of a kind of a race up. Uh, you know, I, I went through these traditional industries like banking, consulting, because frankly speaking, you know, I was just a curious uh, professional who wants to see, who wants to experience different things. But I also want to be pretty hands-on, right? Coming out from management consulting was great, but I just want to make something happen. And I have this philosophy and maybe comes from my mother that uh, if you are privileged enough to be, you know, educated well uh, and uh, to be in these uh, positions of leadership, you have to think about contributing to the society, right? It's not just about yourself. And he also, and she also told me that I hope that when you grow up and you do pe- become a leader of a space that you're in, I hope that you think of others, right? And your impact on others, right? So this has stuck with me and it's sort of my le- leadership philosophy that whatever it is that I seek, there is a positive element of impact 
that uh, there's via my business or my nonprofit work in which I'm in quite a few uh, different mm-hmm. things, right? Uh, different directorships and, and yep. profit and stuff like that. Yeah, you're um, the chairman of the Civic Exchange, a nonpartisan think tank, as well as on the boards of Urban Renewal Authority, Sun Hung Kai, Asia Financial Holdings. So you, you do have quite a few commitments, Evan. Yes, I do. But uh, but this is the this is Animoca is my main commitment. And by far, honestly, Walter is the most exciting. I understand. And what brought you to Animoca? How did you go from your more traditional uh, banking and finance background into uh, the metaverse, NFTs, and uh, digital assets? It's a journey that is super exciting because this is a space that sort of popped up, I would say, um, uh, in its form probably in about uh, uh, mid-2000s or so. I've, I've known yet CEO for a, a while since my uh, young president's organization days since KMB is when I met him. And uh, uh, he's been talking to me about the digital asset ownership on the blockchain since 2017 when he got into it. It was really exciting then. Um, but uh, during COVID, you sort of see that this space really getting a lot of attention. And uh, you can see that this is a person uh, who, who I really trust and uh, has really a good vision of this space and doing it for the right reason, right? So, you know, most commercial organizations would focus on sort of, oh, what's my revenue? What's my profit? Here we're talking about how do we build a space in the third iteration of the internet under Web3, under blockchain, doing it right so that we're giving a power of, uh, of, uh, of ownership to the creators, right? Yeah, I do want to come to your um, investment philosophy or your, your, your approach to this. but uh, And just on that, I will say you mentioned it's not just for revenue, but your unaudited financials have shown impressive growth from $49 million to $184.4 million in the last year. Um, so there is great growth. but And so that's a success that empowers even more. But Tell us about how you bring that philosophy into the companies that you work with and how you, why you invest in them. Well, our purpose here is to, uh, we, we think of ourselves as half operating, right? So the likes of Sandbox, you know, Ref Raising, et cetera, you know, the latest Phantom Galaxy, that's our operating portfolio, right? So that's half of what we do. The other half of what we do is investing. And uh, for that, you know, we get to, we, we got away from sort of like the other metaverses that we were in. We would invest in infrastructure, uh, you know, DeFi, uh, marketplaces, uh, uh, wallets, you know, et cetera. Other spaces like education and art is increasingly important to us because this space is new, right? And the way we look at it is that we're an ecosystem investor. We think of ourselves as a facilitator of the growth of the ecosystem. So therefore, when people ask us, hey, why do you invest in different uh, folks who might act, end up competing with you and customers? We don't think of it that way. We feel that uh, this space is very new. And if uh, the space grows, uh, we will grow uh, and we get benefits from it as well. Uh, so we facilitate the e- ecosystem growing and each of these uh, uh, footprints that we actually invest into can be economies of its own, right? So the operating side, like Sandbox is the economy, right? It has its own token has its own dynamics, it's an alpha two right now, and people are building on it, it's all UGC. UGC meaning user-generated content, sorry, just for those who didn't know. Correct, right, so um, that's, the, that's, the, that's the biggest thing about creator's economy, right? So you're allowing folks to compose. But I wanted to, I will get into uh, Pete play to earn in the metaverse and obviously Sandbox, but um, when I enter Animoca 
as a company, what's different? What's the experience and how does it benefit me to be part of your portfolio? Well, part of the attraction is the, is the 170, 80 investments that we have done and our know-how. So when a certain company talk to us, it's typically about um, there are certain needs, uh, either capital or know-how. Uh, a lot of it is around the blockchain, right? About uh, anything blockchain related, meaning tokenomics, you know, community building, you know, listing, uh, you know, what chain to use, um, et cetera, right? And also the whole point about, you know, what is the sequencing of doing one thing versus another, right? How do you gain the trust in the community, right? These experience-based based, uh, matters that are not easy to figure out if uh, certain companies may not have experience in that, right? So um, uh, that's one thing, the know-how is one thing. The second part is really around uh, a deployability across the portfolio, right? Uh, a lot of uh, folks that might talk to us uh, might think about, hey, coming into the Animoca ecosystem means that you have access to the investment portfolio that we have, and therefore it's a great marketing uh, tool for the uh, for the for the company to deploy their uh, product across our portfolio, right? And uh, obviously, they're the majority ones that we can obviously facilitate a lot more. But uh, uh, also coming into the Animoca ecosystem, they believe there's a good uh, branding effect as well. Fantastic. Um, and what have been some of the surprises that you've come across just uh, having made this change into a, a new industry? Have there what are some of the things that have um, uh, uh, you weren't expecting? Well, I would say that the power of uh, what we can do uh, with uh, true digital asset ownership was truly surprising. There is so much creativity and so much innovation that's been unleashed. Uh, just then before this call, I was on our own investment committee and we just talking about deals and the variety of them and the creativity that's been put forth on it, the peripheries, you know, that's been, you know, periphery industries, if you will, like, you know, even stuff like, you know, KYC, uh, AML, and, you know, um, uh, other, other, uh, other supporting services that are actually propping up as a result of this. It's just amazing, right? Everything is being composed and created right now. Look, let's unpack that. You talked as one of the surprises as being the, um, creativity. And I want to start un unpacking now two areas. One is the P2E or play to earn, and the other is metaverse. Uh, and you talked about the creation of user-generated content. Um, and then the, I think that's relevant for play to earn. Can you talk us through um, how the user-generated content ties into play to earn and, and some of the uh, investments you've got in that space? Well, the um, it's it's all it's all about the loops that we're creating, right? Because why why are we talking about user generated content? Why are we talking about blockchain? We're ultimately talking about uh, decentralization, right? And uh, and and the power that comes from that. And uh, the decentralized part of it comes from the fact that you know you no longer rely on a central developer authority to basically create value for you. This is a world where the users actually own uh, things, right? Or own other assets or, uh, or their own content, uh, part of themselves, part of culture, uh, in fact, right? And, uh, and then they're living in the space that they're living in, uh, writing their own rules, right? And uh, for a space such as Sandbox, which is one of our earliest investments, uh, it's gotten to the point where um, the the users themselves and the asset owners themselves are actually composing on what they are, uh, what they have purchased as land, 
and then uh, deliver experiences that is in, independent of us. Uh, what we do is actually uh, offering tools uh, for the developers themselves to uh, offer their own experiences, right? So in, your, in an earlier podcast, you spoke to uh, Gary Liu of SCMP, and they have a sandbox land, right? And they're building their own experience on that as a testament to sort of like what uh, user-generated content is. And that itself sustains a certain economy that is attractive to others. And as more people go into that economy, uh, that space become even more attractive. So that's sort of the loop. So um, Evan, uh, let's talk about the South China Morning Post's space in Sandbox because it's uh, they've recreated uh, the harbor front um, and uh, you can uh, take a walk, uh, ride a rickshaw. Uh, tell us uh, how, what South China Morning Post has done with that space and, and what are the benefits to the companies for being engaged in that way? Well, you know, South China Morning Post really wanted to um, uh, create a piece of Hong Kong culture that is what you would feel to be part of their heritage in growing up with Hong Kong, right? So uh, it's very iconic in the sense that brands uh, beyond South China, South China Morning Post, when they speak to us, it's talking about the representation of their brand and their culture in a digital space. What would that look like, right? When, uh, when, when you do that. So the extension of the brand and brand essence doesn't have to be exactly the same as it is in the physical space. So the way that that team thought, uh, thought about it uh, is that they are they stored a lot of culture of Hong Kong in what they have done in the past. Now they're presenting this in the digital space where you can own assets and create their own experience in, in this space and the way they have visioned it, right? So they're sharing that culture, they're proud of Hong Kong and they're delivering that uh, to to sort of the, the, the folks who are actually interacting in, within Sandbox. Now, um, Evan, um, recently uh, Sandbox has been hosting additional land sales. Um, uh, can you tell us a little bit about the um... Uh, the revenue model that's driving that um, land sales in the metaverse, and we can talk about Decentraland or Sandbox, but um, the, there's been quite a big uptake by some major brands of some large parcels. Uh, can you talk a bit about the land in Sandbox and Decentraland? Well, Decentraland is uh, is a even sort of a, uh, so all, all the Decentraland land is sort of sold out. Sandbox still have some uh, that are left, and uh, because uh, under blockchain, again, uh, land is scarce, right? With scarcity, uh, folks would believe that, you know, if, with a certain community already built, um, then um, uh, uh, traffic will be generated. And therefore, that's the space to go after, right? It's sort of like, you know, land, even in the real world space, operate pretty much in the same way. There are places where um, there is a lot of land, uh, but no population, right? And there are places like Hong Kong where land seems very, very scarce because there is just a lot of population and not a lot of land that's developable, right? So, uh, but in the place of commerce where activity is supposed to be generated, where it is a gathering place ultimately uh, that people would uh, uh, transact or interact on, you want to have a concentration of population. So uh, yes, so it's no wonder when you have the critical mass, uh, other brands or uh, individuals who would like to acquire land to see if they can uh, have a piece of the of the of history, if you will, in developing what their experiences would be when they deliver on the sandbox. 
based obviously on UGC. Got it. And Evan, um, uh, if I am a company and we're currently uh, at Hashkey, we are in Decentraland, please come visit us. But if I'm trying to think of ways to engage in metaverse with my customers, what are some of the things you've seen that you thought, oh, hey, that was a smart idea or that worked well, uh, the ways companies can work with uh, players and gamers and others in the metaverse? Um, the first thing I would suggest is uh, uh, think first about what your company and your brand represents, right? Don't first look at the product that you have created first, right? Think about something that is the extension of what you might be in a world where a different audience, perhaps a younger audience or a crypto savvy audience might perceive you, right? So. Um, for instance, there are some um, uh, uh, media uh, companies that might think of themselves as a gathering place, right? Meaning that what do they do, right? They might host events, they might uh, have, uh, you know, gathering place of certain um, uh, segments of the population that they're very strong at curating. They might uh, do uh, uh, thought leadership type, uh, type of uh, uh, um, uh, other events or gathering. Um, so that is an extension of the brand that is already taking place in the offline world, right? Um, uh, there are brands uh, that would believe that they uh, would, um, uh, in the in the metaverse, uh, actually allow composability, meaning that you know let's interact with uh, with uh, our let uh, users or my customers interact with my brand in, in a different way meaning that they can actually own and compose on it. And then there's much more interactions arising from that. Right? Uh, ultimately, there's one thing that's very important about uh, uh, the whole uh, idea of Web3 and the metaverse is that it is ultimately about community building, right? What is the utility that you're generating from being present in that space? What are you net net adding to that community? It can never be around, oh, I just want to be there because everybody else is there. I want to sell stuff there and uh, I'm going to do my 10,000, you know, NFT drops and now sell for a lot of money. That in and of itself does not build community. The community building part re requires a team to be dedicated uh, and put time into thinking about what the loops that would sort be generated within the online world and also in the offline world, how does the how do these things actually interact, right? And it's all different. Well, and also finding ra real reasons to engage with the community about areas and issues that they're passionate about, um, and having an authentic voice uh, versus, as you say, just trying to shove uh, airdrops down uh, on unsuspecting masses. Correct. Yeah, and there are some uh, folks, uh, celebrities, that will work with us on issues that are social in nature that they are passionate about. It's nothing to do with what they have done in the past, but it's because they're of their star power, they're trying to uh, have a, a you know a metaverse type representation of the cause that they are interested in, and uh, and that makes a very big difference as well. One question um, we didn't ask earlier when we were talking about the Animoca portfolio um, and companies working with you. What are the kinds of companies that you don't hear from enough? If I am a uh, an entrepreneur, a developer, I've got a small scale business. What are the types of 
uh, potential investments that would interest you the most? I wouldn't necessarily say that uh, the incoming is uh, so full right now. I wouldn't say that there are actually companies that wouldn't come to us. Uh, uh, I have more of the issue of folks coming to us are wanting to do something without knowing what that thing is. And uh, that's that's the part that I struggle a bit with. And then you're in these the brainstorming conversations that have like, what do you really want to do, right? And and sometimes the ideas are pretty noble, um, but they are not thought through. Uh, other than sort of, why don't we use our star power to sell a bunch of stuff? Um, but then the question always goes to, and then what? How is this? Once you have created a community and it's successful, and they go after you, and you've seen these NFTs before, the celebrity-based NFTs. I'm not going to have any criticisms of some of them, but but once you know, you have that, you've engaged your fans and paid money for it. What then happens, right? Do they trade it amongst themselves as the main utility? Or is there going to be a continuous utility? The way in the Web3 space, how we talk about it is that once you have uh, sold to your community and they love it and they love you with passion, then you're successful and you owe them, right? Yeah. The continuous development path, right? So it is a very much about a sharing type of economy that we're creating. You know, when I, um, years back uh, was at Huawei, I started an influencer program and that was all about community and the ability of those influencers to really speak with authenticity and have real engagement with the people who cared about them. And, and you're seeing that now uh, taken larger, um, similar to social media influence and being able to have a conversation with a tribe that matters. Uh, we're, we're now talking about communities in metaverse or around NFT projects. Now, uh, this is a new space for uh, companies. It's also a new space for Wall Street. So I want to talk about recent, um, uh, val recent fundraising you've been through and what the response was. Do you want to just at least uh, give us the headlines of the, the recent raise and the valuation that came out of that. I'll let you do that, Evan. Yeah, sure. I mean, the, the, uh, we just closed around at $358 million raised at the $5.4 billion. And that was the latest raise uh, uh, announced in January uh, with, uh, with uh, many investors. Some are uh, owed supporters as well. Uh, we will use the proceeds to uh, make further uh, portfolio acquisitions, majority investments, as well as minority investments that would facilitate the ecosystem. Uh, in the meantime, also, we would need to build some capabilities uh, because the space is uh, is also new. We uh, we have accelerators. Uh, we have uh, uh, additional capability building programs and, uh, and assets we might want to purchase because Again, you know, we might be, we might feel large at uh, at uh, five billion, but we feel small because we are a humble team of builders who believe that the space uh, has lots of ways to go, and uh, we are almost like a market index, if you will, right? Because we are facilitating ecosystem growing, so we need the capital, not because we need the capital itself, but we want the capital for influence, and we have a certain set of philosophy that we're operating under. Uh, we do get the attention of Wall Street uh, nowadays uh, because it's a new space and we seem to be uh, very early in a lot of the uh, investments that have paid off uh, sometimes in hundreds of times. Um, and uh, we are uh, also quite successful in the operating side, uh, building uh, likes of Sandbox, Ref Racing, and now latest is Blowfish's uh, Phantom Galaxy, 
which is uh, on this alpha version. Uh, and there are a couple of uh, unannounced big ones that are coming out. Hint, hint. Can't talk about it, but uh, <laughs> just uh, wait for announcements in March. I guarantee you they are exciting. Fantastic. Well, the, you've definitely created a little bit of buzz already, so we will uh, uh, keep an eye out on that. But tell me, um, uh, as you're doing the fundraising, as you're talking with investors, uh, how far along do you need to bring them or do are they would they already be considered much more sophisticated in this space uh, and they've been there a while i mean uh, what's the type of investor that's interested in animoca we would say that the earlier investors typically are a little bit more visionary uh, more risk taking so if you want to like uh, go after us based on you know sort of my background is financial and consulting you just want to do it based on discounted cash flow model and looking at us and say hey how like you know where's where's this where's that when I can see your, your recurring cash flows here and there, it's hard to look at us that way, right? Because at the end of the day, you can you, you have to look at us as a pioneer in this space, where the uh, where the uh, uh, where it's really just the beginning, and um, and the investors therefore that would come in early, uh, and and these rounds are still early for us. Um, they are typically quite visionary in the sense that they believe in what we can build rather than sort of what we have already built. Okay. Evan, we're coming kind of to, towards the end of the time we have, but uh, when we began, you were talking about your traditional Hong Kong background and your mother talking about uh, you making a contribution to society. Uh, it's not even been a year uh, at Animoca. It's funny how time goes. But if you project forward and think about your um, legacy and your impact, what, what would you want some of the elements of that to be? What are some of the things you hope to achieve? And, you know, what will you go back and, um, uh, you know, what will mom consider as being a, a positive social impact? Yeah, no, great question, Walter. Uh, I believe that Animoca would not become a successful company unless it is a socially positive company. That's how I see it. That's how yet CO sees it. And that's why we're together. Um, at the end of the day, if we look at what we're net net creating, uh, beyond the communities, first of all, the communities must benefit before we profit. We are facilitating the growth of communities and therefore the communities benefit. And therefore we reap a share of that. That's the business model, right? That's first. Secondly, we can really transform how employment is in terms of how people work in the space and also creation of employment in play to earn. Because nowadays, because of the assets that's been created, the asset needs to be worked and sweated and more uh, communities being created, there's employment opportunities available. For example, in the Philippines, uh, there are more crypto wallets and their credit cards, uh, which is amazing. And people can earn based on uh, Axie Infinity, which has gone up and down, right? So there still needs to be balance in the economies, right? But there are uh, more and more, um, uh, you know, uh, government uh, or uh, government-like entities coming to us and say, hey, can we create employment together? And that's tremendously interesting because we can uh, absolutely do that. Um, and we believe that there's a lot of social contribution that can be, uh, that can be uh, uh, done in unlocking uh, creators' powers, right? And uh, more, more on that later, obviously, we don't want to forebode for sort of like what are the uh, uh, changes that we could see uh, with respect to um, enabling uh, blockchain to go into certain industries. But there are certain industries where we believe that 
creators are not actually being rewarded in the way that they should. Yeah, no, um, look, uh, I've had my eyes open through reading of AI 2041, which takes uh, different permutations of AI and projects it forward 19 years or 20 years by the, when the author wrote this last year. Um, and so many of us think in terms of what, you know, first year in a job or, you know, what will happen in three years. And if you think even longer term, the, the, the societal changes are quite fundamental and very strong. But uh, that's the subject of another podcast conversation, perhaps, Evan. <laughs> yes, that would be great. Great. Well, thank you so much for joining us on Crypto Savvy today. Evan uh, Aoyang from Animoca Brands really appreciated it. And um, thank you so much for being on Crypto Savvy with Hashkeeper. Thank you, Walter. Thank you for joining me with that really great conversation with Evan Aoyang, Group President at Animoca Brands. We'll make sure to keep you posted on that exciting news that is expected some point in the coming months. Do check for future episodes. If you're listening to us on Apple Podcasts, please do give us a five-star rating. And wherever you get your podcast, hit like and subscribe. I'm Walter Jennings. This is Crypto Savvy from Hashkey Group. Thank you for listening. Thank you for listening to Crypto Savvy, the podcast that delivers the essentials brought to you by Hashkey Group.